Hey, thanks for having me. I am so happy to have you on, Anthony. You're my second guy on the podcast. So congratulations to you. We're number two. <laughs> for those of you who guys who don't know, Anthony, he was basically our team therapist. <laughs> so Anthony and I worked together at my last job and he and I became so close. As I said, he was our resident unofficial therapist. We all came to him for help. He was the joker. He made our team meetings hilarious. He really made working in a very stressful situation so much fun. So I'm very, very happy to have him on today. How is that are what you, you guys doing? really thought about me, though? Is, is that of what course. you guys really felt? Oh, wow. Okay. <laughs> I was being serious. I mean, this was like just, you know, me being serious at work and, you know, trying to actually focus and do the right thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You were totally serious. You were yeah. always, always on it for the job. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> If I were to get a certain coworker on here, she'd probably disagree. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, I'm so glad to have you on. I think we're going to have a really good, really important conversation. I can't wait to dive in. But first, if you guys have been listening, y'all know the deal. You know what's coming up is our some type of way. Anthony, are you aware of our some type of way segment? So I, I have heard it in previous episodes, um, you know. I, I think I may have something, but I, okay. you, know, you go first. All right. I can go first and then you can go. So I'll give you time to think about it. Okay. So let me tell you, I think I've made a decision that I don't want kids. Okay. I feel like, yeah, I, I'm like, okay. no. And, but, but I still love kids. Don't get me wrong. I love children. They're great. They're just not for me. Anyways, right. I have a friend here who has two kids. They're like my niece and nephew. They're great. Love them. But my nephew, I feel like he doesn't like me. I feel like he is just, like, I feel like I do real good with kids, right? But I feel like he, every time I visit, he's running away from me. Like, he just, he's not here for me. I'm like, mm -hmm. why? I don't get it. So my friend was going away and she asked us to watch the kids. I was like, of course. So... He came over, running away, not trying to be here for me. And I was like, girl, when you leave, he's about to have a meltdown. Like, I don't know how this is going to go any dip out. She's like, don't worry. He needs this. So I'm like, okay. She leaves. He doesn't have a meltdown. And I was like, okay, okay. okay. So... <clears throat> The weekend goes on. I actually end up having him sleep with me in my room because it's two of them. One of them was my mom. One of them was with me. And listen, by the end of the weekend, we were BFFs. There you go. And I was like, okay. You know what? He He's a little, he's a little sassy. And you know, your girl is not. Your girl has <laughs> like, you know what we're not going to do. It, okay is this but somehow he he loved it <laughs> i'm like you need to go away more to my friend so i can really like develop this bond that we have you know right. so it was really a nice weekend we had some great bonding experiences and now we're bfs i was like great i, I feel like this it. runs counter to your some type of way okay of and the reason is though because the best part about being anti listen i have a video of when i'm coming home i went out on sunday i came back and he was like anti, anti. this is the thing 
I came home and he was he him and his sister were like auntie you're back and I was like yes and just hearing the word auntie had me just like ah you know why because I can give them back (laughs) 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 his mom can come back and I can say it was awesome but here you go (laughs) that is a very very fair point yeah. And so that's why I have declared myself the cool aunt and I will just be the cool aunt for the rest of the time. And I'm happy with it. Okay. So that's what made me feel real good, real good on the inside. Now, now does this about, huh? Does this mean that you're actively avoiding having children? I, I don't know if this is too personal. I'm sorry. No, not at all. Okay. No, I mean, you know, I've worked with kids so much that I'm just like, Ugh, this is a big responsibility. And like, you really have to be 100% committed to having kids, I feel like, you know, mm-hmm. and I am not 100%. I'm not, I'm, I'm like 1% like, mm. <laughs> so, I feel like, no, I think the biggest thing is I like my sleep. I like to live my life. I don't want to have to think about who's going to watch my kid. Like, I just want to live my life. Yeah. And I feel like for the first time ever, I can live my life like the way I want to live my life. So I'm just like, "Mm, no. So, yeah, I feel like I feel like it's I don't want to say 100 percent because, you know, things can change. But I'm going to say like 90 percent. Okay. No. Okay. I can't. But I mean, hey, no judgment to anyone who want to have kids or not. Like we love y'all the same, you know. That's just that's just for me. Yeah, absolutely. You know, that's <laughs> what about what you, Anthony? What made you feel some type of way? So this one's kind of new for me. Um, you know, as you know, I've been letting my hair grow for the better part of the last year or so, um, and I don't know if you've ever discussed this in any previous episodes, but. Uh, it makes me feel some type of way when people ask to touch my hair. Mm. I mean, you know, and and I, I work in a predominantly uh, affluent part of Miami uh, where there are a lot of people who have not seen people with my hair texture or maybe they just don't surround themselves with people mm-hmm. with my hair texture. And it seems like they always just want to touch my hair or have a comment about my hair, you know, whether it's- What is that about? I don't know. I, I really don't know. And it, and it always makes me feel like, man, was I ever like this? Did I ever, you know, say any of these comments or say any of these things? And, you know, how annoyed were people with me whenever I said that, if I did say that, you know, but it is one of those things where it's just like, what, why, why does it matter? Like, and why do you want to touch it? That's weird. That's odd. Listen, here's my question to you. Have you ever seen someone's hair and wanted to touch it? Not particularly. Not or rude. even like, have you ever asked them, like, this is so cool. Let me touch this. Right. I, I think maybe, you know, maybe I felt like, you know what, I, I, it would be nice to touch that person's hair to see what it's like. But at the same time, mm-hmm. I'm not saying it. You know? Right. Like maybe you think it, but you don't like go out of your way to say, do that. Like, let me do this. I right. I think I talked about talked about it on the podcast before, but I someone actually just put their hand in my hair without even asking. <laughs> That's the worst. That is the yeah. worst. 
I was in Argentina and I let it slide because I was like in a different country. Okay, these people don't be seeing this. So like, fine. But like, I was literally just sitting minding my own business. And all of a sudden, I just feel some hands up in there. And I'm like, <laughs> excuse me? And it was this like old white lady. And I was like, she was like, oh, this is so beautiful. And I was just like, okay, but boundaries? <laughs> right, right, right. You and, can't and- just do that. And, and I work in a middle school, so like some of the kids, you know, they see my hair and it's just like, oh, can I touch your hair? Or, you know, like, do you have a perm? And it's like, no, it's not a perm. You know, it's just curly. It's, you know, all these things, you know, and it's just like, I get it. They're kids. They they really don't mm-hmm. understand that. It's not, it's really not okay to just say those types of things. And it's, it's, it's almost, you know. And we need to um, stop this. We need to stop, stop crossing boundaries, we yeah. need to stop expose we need to also expose our kids to things i mean hello we're living in america i feel like it's not an excuse to say oh like you don't see this or you've never been around this like even if you live in the whitest white of wherever you are it's not an excuse black people right. exist they're on tv you can right. see them like i don't get that right it, it, it was super weird it was like uh it was something that i had to get used to quickly and then like kind of just redirect and you know teach people like no it's not okay for you to touch my hair there are boundaries you know and and so how did they respond when you told them that's not okay i mean i think the kids understood that like you know hey you know you're an adult i shouldn't be wanting to touch your hair anyway um and usually when i say boundaries they understand that like okay yeah that's true I'm, i'm crossing a boundary um you know but there is a level of education that goes with it like i have to teach people like yeah it's not cool you know well we talked about this before the podcast started about just the new things you learn when you grow your hair out and this is one of those things unfortunately you know definitely people being curious and doing inappropriate things out of their curiosity right right i mean i i know my hair's awesome but like like it's it mine, is. You know? It is awesome. I want to touch it right now. <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness. That's great. All right, Anthony, we're going to just dive right in. Okay. Awesome. So I said earlier in our little introduction that of course, you're also a social worker. We met at work and you know, And thinking about this, I just was remembering when I was in college, and I'll never forget, we had a professor, and in every class that we had with him, he would always point out all the guys. He would say, he would say, like, Anthony, he is here. Congratulations. And it's just like, okay, so what about us? Like, where's the team? (laughs) You know? But there was always this, like, oh, here we have a male in the social work field. This is great. This is a a unicorn. We have to showcase this. And in every event of social work event, there was always, like, we have five males in our department, or we have two males. This is great. And it was an irritation for me, but it was also, like, well, I mean, I guess it's true. And I noticed myself feeling, like, extra impressed when I saw guys in the social work field, Mm -hmm. which I was like, am I perpetuating this like praising men for being in this area? But I think it comes down to just the fact that we don't see this very often. So my question to you, Anthony, how did you get into this field? Like what made you decide this is what I want to do? So for me, it was, 
it was interesting because I never thought I would be a social worker. I guess I, I really never even knew what social work was until I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just remember, like, I always knew that I wanted to go into a helping profession, like even as a child, you know, like a mm-hmm. lot of, you know, kids think I want to be a cop. I want to be, you know, a, a fireman or, you know, I want to be a politician or things like that. I always knew that I wanted to help people. And I don't know to what capacity that was. I just knew I wanted to help people. And I can remember, um, you know, being a kid and just talking with my cousins, you know, your cousins are your first best friends and stuff like that. And I would be on three-way with them. And we would literally like just hash out the issues that were going on in the family or just hash out each other's problems with our friends and stuff like that. And that was something that I always did. And I always enjoyed doing. And I always felt like for me, it was more like, this is just, this just makes logical sense to, you know, to handle things this way. Mm -hmm. Um, Not realizing that it's, it's more of a skill and more of a talent that not everybody is able to do these things. So, you know, I I graduated high school, uh, had no clue what I was going to do. I literally, you know, got my diploma and sat in my house for four or five months uh, before my parents were like, hey, you got to do something. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And, you know, I, I decided, okay, cool. I'll, you know, I'll go get a job or I'll go study something. So I went to like the local community college and I took a class and, you know, one class turned into two classes. Um, I started working in an after school program and I told myself, you know what, I I need to keep up with the kids and I need to make sure that I'm always up on what's what's really going on in terms of like not only academically what they're experiencing but like you know just to kind of broaden myself a little bit so Mm -hmm. I started you know working on my working on my associate's degree and I had a mentor at the time and at the time I didn't know she was my mentor it was just more like she was very helpful and and uh you know just kind of like the person guiding me she was a social worker Mm-hmm. little to my knowledge. And one day she just kind of pulled me to the side and said, hey, do you want to see what I do for a day? And I'm like, sure, why not? Your life looks fun. Let's do it. Um, and she at the time was working for a community mental health agency, you know, doing, um, you know, doing therapy and home therapy. Uh, so I kind of just followed her and shadowed her throughout the day and just kind of, you know, went to some of her appointments, um, you know, followed her schedule, you know, and this is a mother with three kids at the time, uh, you know, not not that old, not that much older than I am, um, mm-hmm. you know, but I just noticed I'm like, you have a lot of free time in between. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> it was it was just kind of like you, 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 you know, you wake up, you make your kids breakfast, drop mm-hmm. them off at school, you go see a client, come home, clean up, go see another client, go to the gym, go see another client pick your kids up, go see, I'm like, how do you, how do you like have all this time to just be home? So I was immediately interested. And, you know, she kind of just told me this is social work, you know, and I was just like, okay, so I want to do that. I want (laughs) the least amount of work. And that's, that's, that's that. Um, So we talked about that a little bit and, you know, I just kind of explored it a little bit. Um, Once I got to, uh, once I got to my undergrad level once, and I, you know, finished my associate started uh, at the university it, you know, I took my first intro to social work class and I loved it. And it was just like, this is great. And I had the same experience you had of, oh my gosh, we have a male in here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and a lot of, a lot of other students <laughs> were very upset and annoyed because we couldn't start class if I wasn't there. Wow. How 
how special were you? I mean, I thought so. Right? <laughs> <laughs> it was, we could not, you know, the professor would literally say, well, we don't have Anthony here. And it was, it was me and maybe two other male students in a mm-hmm. class of 26, 27. Um, and he kind of told us, you know, look around, you're going to see close to 30 other students in here. And you're probably not going to see half of them when you graduate. Um, mm. Just because, you know, it would, you, a lot of people would get weaned out. So I ended up doing social work partially because I wanted an easy route or I thought what I thought was an easy route at the time, mm-hmm. uh, which I learned later on that it's not as easy as, as I thought it was. Right. Um, and, and, you know, just it interested me. It was something that has always kind of like, I feel like it's almost been like a calling, you know, to be in the helping profession. And I feel like social work was the best route for that. Yeah. I love that. So then when you entered this and you realize it's all girls, like, what are your thoughts on that? It's going to be really easy to get a date. <laughs> I'm kidding. No, um, it, it, it did feel, it did feel a little weird. It felt, um, you know, just, just at first. Cause it was like, you know, mm-hmm. this is obviously a profession that's dominated by women. And when I spoke to my mentor about that, you know, she kind of pointed out to me, she's like, exactly. This is why this would be beneficial for you. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you mentioned it earlier, you're the unicorn, you're the, you're the person that nobody really sees. So whenever there is a need for a male, you know, in this pool of social workers, you know, the odds are you're going to get picked because of that. So that was also like really good, you know, like, like that stuck in my mind and, and became one of those things that I, I used to like kind of say, you know what, maybe this is, this is for me, but it was absolutely odd at first, you know, like just walk, walking in there and I was just like, all right, there's two guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And then like, it just so happens that your wife is also a social worker. Like what's right. that like? So she was also influenced by uh, my mentor. Um, okay. She was bouncing back and forth between, you know, majors and, you know, she wanted to do business administration and she wanted to do a couple of different things. Mm-hmm. And, you know, once she kind of saw what social work was like and the potential that it had, you know, she, she kind of said, you know what, I'm, I'm going to stick through this. I'm going to, I'm going to do this. And, you know, we ended up actually taking a couple of classes together, graduating together. And, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. Oh, what was that like, like having classes with her? So it was awesome for several reasons. Yeah. Um, I felt like I always had somebody to back me up. If I wasn't there, she would always be, you know, she was there and we mm-hmm. can kind of like, you know, share notes with each other, you know, support each other, kind of like push, push each other when we are, you know, falling behind or anything yeah. like that. Um, so that was, that was pretty awesome. Um, we also, we also banded together with a group of friends, um, Mm -hmm. that are still to this day, some of our closest friends, like, you know, we, we, it was, it was legit a, you know, kind of friends, you know, living single situation where we all met in college and we became like really tight. And to this day, we are still really tight. Like we hang out with them all the time. Um, I love that. And it was super cool. Um, I guess as some of the, I guess, downfalls of it are, you know, when one person's lazy and the other person's lazy, it, you know, kind of makes it a little bit rough. <laughs> <laughs> but, 
And yeah. if teachers, if professors find out that you two are together or you two are dating, it's almost like you become one person. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, where is this person? I'm like, I don't know. I don't run their life. Like I'm not married to them yet. You know, like yeah. it, it was, it was a lot of, a lot of stuff like that, that, that happened. Um, you know, interesting story, which is, I, I, it was hilarious is how we, I created this group of friends. Mm-hmm. Um, it was all because of my wife. If it wasn't for her, oh, really? if it wasn't for her, it probably wouldn't have happened. So we've obviously, we, you know, we had some classes together, but we, we had a different route, um, you know, at the beginning. So mm-hmm. we met different people along the way. And one day we had, we all had this group project that was, that was due. And it was, a uh, it was like an interviewing, you know, kind of groups class that we were doing. Um, and in that class, we had to create a group, like, create a problem and, you know, hold a group session mm-hmm. there. So you had to pick from six to eight people within your group. And I sat down and I'm usually not the type of person that, you know, will like walk up to anybody and say, Hey, can I be part of your group? I'm mm-hmm. more like whoever's left I'll join. Or if somebody asks yeah. me, I'll join. But my wife was like, no, I know exactly who I want to work with. I want you, I want you, I want you, I want you. (laughs) And we all banded together. We even had like one person that was just like, can I join your group? And we're like, sure, why not? Like jump in. And then we all became a group. And we were, we, I don't know how to, I don't know how to say this. Um, One of our, one of the things that we did was we had the best presentation, the best group in the entire class. And we all work together in unity because we were all slackers at heart. (laughs) (laughs) Slackers unite. (laughs) Slackers at heart. We would literally get together on a regular basis and start with working on this project and preparing and doing everything that we needed to do. And then we would go on a tangent and do something completely different and ended up never working on anything. Until literally three or four days before the assignment was due, before the project was due, where somehow we all banded together, we did everything in three days, and had the best presentation there. Honestly, I'm impressed. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) It's my way. It's my way. I don't know. It is your way, and we love and hate you for it. Anthony's the kind of person who never has to study for the test, and then he's going to come and ace it. And you're just like, how? (laughs) It came back to bite me though. It did come back to bite me in grad school. Like in grad school, oh man, did it. It was like I thought I was gonna coast through it. And one mm. professor called me out on it and it was just like, you know what? I, I need to I need to take this a little more seriously. Right, right. <laughs> so how did like your family and your friends, how did they all react when they find out that you know this is what the path that you're gonna do? Because as you said, you yourself didn't even really know what was social work. So what was the reaction of the people in your life that this is now the route you want to take? Um, I mean, I, th- I think that my family was just happy that I was, you know, focusing on school and, you know, getting a degree. Um, you know, I was the first one in my immediate family to to go to college and finish college, yeah. uh, get my undergrad degree and, and fortunately my graduate degree afterwards. Um, so they were just happy that I was going to school. And, you know, like, they used to use that as the example and always say like, oh, well, look how successful Anthony is because, mm. you know, he went to school. And I, and I kind of like stopped them from saying things like that mm-hmm. uh, because everybody has a different path. You know, not everybody right. is, is made for school. Not everyone is made for going to college or, you know, there are more, more successful people that 
you know, do other things and did not go to college mm -hmm. out there, you know, some even in my family. Um, but yeah, my family was just happy that I was like, you know, going to college, you know. Yeah. Um, when they now like understand what it is that you do, does that change anything? Because, you know, like when they ever, when everyone finds out that you're a therapist or you're like a mental health person, then you become like the family therapist, you know, or your friend's therapist. Like, did that change or was it something else like, oh, you think that you're better or something like that? Was that, did you experience any of that? Uh, no, they still think I'm their family therapist. Oh. <laughs> um, uh, they... <laughs> They, they frequently ask me, you know, to, you know, advise other people. And I always tell them like, so, you know, as, as a therapist, I wouldn't advise anybody, mm -hmm. um, you know, it, it would just kind of be, you know, it'd be a different process. Right. Uh, but I also, I also remind them like, we need boundaries and I, it is unethical for me to, you know, be your therapist. So if you'd yes. like to talk to me as, you know, um, you know, aunt to nephew, then I would gladly you know, talk to you as aunt and nephew, recognizing that I'm not being your therapist at this moment. Um, if you want to talk to me, mother to son, more than happy to. Uh, but I'm not going to, you know, actually give you like, you know, I'm not going to give you a therapy session. You know, like right. you should see a therapist. That's usually my, that's usually my go-to line. Do you find yourself like jumping into it, even though you're not planning on it? Like you're just automatically turning into therapist. You're like, how did that make you feel? Like, does that happen to you? Or is it just me? <laughs> Oh, no. I mean, that that is that is typically I really don't turn it off very often. Um, I know, it's so hard. It, it's just I think it's just natural. It's just the way we think yeah. now. You know, I think that we we just think in those in those terms now, like how not not, not just the, how, do, how do you feel about this, but just kind of like always assessing, always, you know, seeing how people are doing, seeing how they're feeling, what's going on in their lives, what may have caused them to act in a certain way. Uh, you know, I, I always I always revert back and I always think back to trauma, like what trauma happened that made you react mm -hmm. in this way? And that's one of the things that always kind of like helps, at least for me, explain people's behaviors. Mm -hmm. Never excuse the behavior, but explain like maybe that's why they're doing this. You know, right. and that's why they're acting like this. Right. And so. Again, I'm coming back to the relationship because as your wife, who's also a social worker, I think she works with a therapist too, right? Like, yeah. how does that work in y'all's relationship? Are y'all just therapizing each other? Like, what's that like? I mean, it's very easy to just call each other out on it. Yeah. <laughs> Don't therapize me right now. So, yeah, the moment that she tries, it's just like, it's just like, I mean, come on, like, like who you're talking I know to. what you're doing. Or vice versa. Like, I'll try to do that. I mean, but sometimes it, it absolutely is helpful. Like we, we actually, I mean, I don't want to say that we therapize each other, but, you know, we do use some of the skills that, you know, we mm -hmm. learn, you know, and, and that we've, you know, in, within our experience to kind of just deal with what we're going through. You know, like yeah. if, if I see that she's, she's looking more down than usual, you know, I kind of go to like, well, what, what's going to help you feel better? Like, you know, if you're, if you're feeling this down, what's going to help you make, make you, maybe make you feel a little bit mm -hmm. better. And then we kind of work um, with that. We work with what, whatever it is that we have in that moment. Do you think that it's easier or harder when you have the knowledge of how to handle situations and solve all the problems to then deal with your own issues, like in relationships in general, or yeah, do you think it's easier or harder to deal with? So I don't feel like I necessarily have all the solutions ever. 
I, I, I do feel, you know, I, I just take a pragmatic approach to everything, you know, it's like, what makes the most logical sense in this instance? Like, Still very, very much um, thinking like a man. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, I guess, I guess so. Yeah. What, what makes the most sense in this? And this is how I dealt, you know, I, I did a lot of therapy, you know, when, when we were working together, it was mm-hmm. what makes mo- the most sense for you. And I would never like give you the answer. It was more. Yeah. Yeah. What, what makes the most sense for this situation that we have mm-hmm. right now? Now, does that affect how I respond to certain situations? Sometimes it, it's, it, you know, I find myself going through that thought process of what makes the most sense for me and also feeling like, well, no, I have some feelings about this and, and this is not going to work for me in the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's always rough, you know, because it's like, yeah. I know that the right thing to do is this, but I don't want to do this and I don't like exactly. this response. Yeah, I feel the same way. Like the other day, I was I was so upset about something. And I was talking to my friend. I'm like, listen, I already know all the things. Like, should we be doing this? And that. But I'm mad right now. Okay, so right. I'm not trying to have no empathy. I don't care. I, I don't want to have empathy. I don't want to think about how the other person's feeling. I'm just mad. Okay. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> but I, give, I think that's I, a part of it too. Yeah, I give myself I give myself some time to feel what I feel. And then I, I have to move on and figure out my response yeah. to it. You know, my, you know, my wife is really good at just kind of <clears throat> when it's not her situation, if it's my situation and she's kind of talking to talking me through it, she's really good at helping me see what that logic is that I usually would see. Mm. And then she'll let me have my moment. She'll literally say like, like have your moment, mm-hmm. I'll have my moment, whether it's an hour, a day, you know, whatever time it takes and then she says well now we have to respond now what are we going to do mm-hmm. um mm-hmm. you know and and I, I think that for most people like if we if we remove the emotion of how you know of how we feel in the moment about something like if we just kind of give it a second and let it like sit for a little bit have our moment have our you know emotions and then we make a decision afterwards we find that it's not so hard to make those decisions that we thought were so difficult or so yes. challenging, you know? See, I'm learning that right now. Like I'm, I've always had trouble with just like, let me just feel this and allow myself to feel the things. And I'm learning to now just like, it's okay if I need a moment, let me take the moment and then I'm going to be okay. So yeah, that's really good. Okay. And, so yeah, sorry, go ahead. And one thing that, you know, is, is really interesting about us is that, you know, I am the type of person that is more like I need a kick in the pants, you know, to kind of get going with things. So sometimes I'll sit in it too long. You know, I'll sit in my situation a little bit too long. Um, and my wife is all, is the type of person that's a little bit opposite of me where she needs somebody to like, you know, just stop her, you know, in her place so that it's like, OK, stop right here. Mm-hmm. Let's think about this first and then let's move on. You know, so in my in my discovery in my therapy sessions, I discovered that, you know, I need to be the person that kind of gives myself that kick in the pants every once in a while. And yes, I really didn't like that. I, I, told my therapist, <laughs> I, I don't like you for that. Right. I mean, we love and hate our therapists because they call us out all the time. And I'm, then we have to look at ourselves and be like, you're right. But yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. But it sounds like you and your wife, you guys really balance each other out and you give each other what you need, which I think is really awesome. And it doesn't sound like this career path hinders you. It sounds like it just kind of enhances what's already there, which I think is awesome. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think we know how to 
set boundaries for each other, you know, and, yeah. and we know that our relationship is our relationship, our career is our career, you know, and even our personal life is our, our personal life is our personal life. So, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, that's awesome. setting boundaries. So now that you've decided, okay, I want to do social work. I mean, mostly because of the free time that we can have, right. <laughs> then you've realized, oh, this is not necessarily what I thought it was. So tell me, what did you think it was? And then what was it really for you? When did you like learn? Oh, okay, this is what it is. Um, so I think that for me early on, you know, I have a lot of experience in mental health. So a lot of different areas, you know, I, I, I did some life coaching. I was a, a, a therapeutic tech. I worked in foster homes. I worked in a lot of different areas. What I saw from a lot of therapists was let me just talk to people. Mm-hmm. And I was like, I can do that. You know, in fact, I was kind of doing that to some degree mm-hmm. without, you know, the knowledge and the background that they had at the moment. Um, coming out of out of undergrad with a bachelor's, it was kind of like social work tur- turned out to be case management. I hated yeah. case management. It was, for me, it was the worst. I don't like planning and scheduling and doing things like that. And, you know, like yeah. finding resources and, you know, I, that wasn't for me. That, that That's not what I thought it was. So I realized quickly that for me, social work meant therapy. I need to get into a therapy field. Mm-hmm. Um, so once I was able to get into, get a position as a, as a therapist in community mental health, you know, I did think it was like, oh, this is going to be easy. I can, you know, kind of create my own schedule and, you know, kind of just do my own thing. And there are opportunities out there like that. Um, But then I realized there was so much more to it. You know, like there is actual investment in your client and actual investment in the people that you're working with. Um, And that for me, the I think the first time was kind of like, okay, this is not going to be just a walk in the park where I'm going to collect a check. And I, you know, I took on that challenge. It wasn't so much a, this sucks. Now I'm I'm just going to pick another career. It was more like, you know what? Fine. You know, like, I think that I have the skill set for this. I've, I've, you know, have the experience for this. I've, everything that I've done for the past X amount of years has been to kind of guide me to this point. Mm -hmm. So I, you know, I I went into it and I felt like the first, maybe the first couple of weeks were a little bit intimidating because I just felt the weight of, I'm responsible for this person's life, mm, yeah. right? This person's depression is in my hands and I need to make sure that they don't hurt themselves or that they get out of this. Um, you know, like this person's anxiety, you know, like I need to find ways and tools and skills and, you know, all these things for them to, you know, reduce their anxiety. And it was a bit of a burden at first or, mm-hmm. or like it was just hard to kind of like, get over that, that feeling of like how responsible I am. Um, And I found myself kind of going home and taking a lot of that with me, um, which was, which was really rough. Experience teaches you and time teaches you that you can only work as hard as your client is working and that you do need to like disconnect and, you know, really just leave work at work. You know, some things obviously, you know, require your attention, but you know, you need to leave work at work, Mm -hmm. which, you know, after that, that became my motto. And it was just kind of like, while I'm working, I'm going to give it my all, you know, I'm going to give my clients all the attention that I can give them. And, you know, that I, I'm going to give them my, my everything that I have within me. But 
once the clock strikes, you know, five o'clock and I, you know, my notes are done, which, you know, notes were almost never done, but once, okay. <laughs> <laughs> once my notes are done or when, once I'm done for the day, you know, I do need to disconnect. And it really became something that while it was not what I expected or what kind of draw, uh, drew me into the field, mm-hmm. it was still something that was rewarding at the end of the yeah. day. Yeah. It's funny because I feel like we all, as social workers, we get into the field. First, we decide that we want to do this and we feel like we're like superheroes and we're going to save the world and we're going to save everybody from their problems. And then we get into the field and we're like, oh, we can't really save everybody from their problems. And there's always just this like reality check, like, oh, I can't do all the things that I thought I was going to do. And then you're like, well, either I help some people and the others I just kind of live learn to live with that or I just yeah I leave this thing and I'm like this is too much I can't and the I feel like I was, that too yeah the, the worst for me was feeling like clients would come in and it was just like you have the answers you're the professional and the first time hearing you're the professional mm. was so weird for me it was like so surreal to like hear you're the professional and I'm banking on your background, your education, your experience to help me out of this situation. It's a lot of pressure, man. Yeah. It's like, oh, what do I do? Right. <laughs> it's like everything <laughs> is, all the stakes are on you. That's why I always right. tell clients, you are the expert of your life. Maybe I'm a professional, but you're the expert of your own That's, that's life. a great line. That is a great way to turn, to put it back in their yeah. hands and let them know like you're the one that's in control of our session. Yeah. Yep. I really relate to everything that you're saying in terms of just like starting out and you, I remember like when I first started at our last job, you were the one that was like, Dania, relax. This is what you can do. And this is what you can do. And it's okay. Just chill. (laughs) And honestly, listen, literally after our conversation, I was like, (laughs) you're right. And I straight up ditch. (laughs) Sometimes we chilled a little too much. Yeah. It was a little too much sometimes. Yeah. Your, your, I don't want, I mean, your words, not mine, slacker mentality, it rubbed off on me just a little bit. <laughs> I, th- I think that there, you know, there are more of us out there than people would like to admit <laughs> that they'd rather take the easy way out or, right, you know, try to at least try to do the easy things. And uh, listen, slacker doesn't necessarily mean that you're bad at what you do. It just means you're yes. going to find the most efficient way to do it and you're going to get the work done, yeah. period. And honestly, we're joking about slacker, but you were not a slacker. I think you had really great boundaries. That's just the thing. We didn't have boundaries because we were like, okay, we have to do this and we have to do this. And we felt like it was possible. And you recognize, no, this is not possible. So I'm not going to push myself and do something that is impossible. I'm going to do what I can and I'm going to enjoy the rest of my life. And I feel like that is, that is a recipe for success because you're not setting yourself up for failure. So I thank you for doing that. And it definitely helped me get through the rest of my time at our job. (laughs) Right. I mean, I think that that's, that's usually what happens to just about anybody in the, you know, first months of their job. It's like they want to make a good impression. They want to make sure that, you know, people can, you know, recognize them and know that they're trying their hardest and they're working really hard. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, you know, I talk about this a lot with, you know, with some of my other friends, you know, people really have this mentality of, 
you know, I worked harder than you, so I deserve some recognition for it mm. or some mm-hmm. sort of accolade. And it's like, okay, cool. You work harder than me, but that doesn't make you any better. And I think that this is more like a, a U.S. thing. Uh, you know, Definitely. You know, here, like people like to work themselves to the bone. I worked 60 hours this week. I worked 80 hours this week. And it's like, okay, great. You know, and you're probably making a ton of money, but mm-hmm. are you really enjoying life? Is life fulfilling to you, you know, after that? Um you know, and, I, and I've always been the type of person that's just like, I want to make sure that I enjoy, you know, my time. You know, I'm yes. always thinking, I'm always kind of like planning and thinking, but it's like, I want to live in the moment and sit in it and just kind of enjoy it. I love that. And I agree. And I'm here for it too. What is the purpose of life if we're not going to enjoy it? Like, what's the right. point, you know? Right. So I'm here for that. <clears throat> Sorry. Okay, so you finally decide, okay, now you understand what this is all about and you're going to continue doing this. Did you like have any kind of stigmas of mental health before you got into this? Or did you have any kind of like biases that you didn't even realize when you got into this field? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I think that um, most people would, you know, use the word crazy as you know just interchangeably and in, in whatever they want to say is like am i crazy or you know you're crazy mm-hmm. things like that um one of the things that i came into the field you know thinking was i'm going to be dealing with a lot of crazy people um and i feel like crazy is not only a subjective word but it's also mm-hmm. it, it's derogatory in some exactly. you know? and, and and also it's just one of those words that was just like well define what quote unquote crazy is you know um, and I found that once I stopped using that word in the sense of like someone's mental health, you know, um, it was a lot easier to look at a person and to look at people that I'm working with, um, you know, for what's going on in their life and their trauma or, you know, whatever it is that they're experiencing, you know, mm-hmm. and recognize them like, oh, well, you know, honestly, like anybody would be going through what you're going, would, would feel the way you're feeling considering right. you know, all the things that you're going through. You know, like it's not, it's not a surprise that you feel so terrible and you, you're feeling depressed when, you know, you, you just lost a major, you know, you know, block in your family, like a major person in your, you know, in your family, or, you know, you lost your job or, you know, things are just not going your way. Like, of course, or you just have, chemical imbalances that are causing you to feel this way. Like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was one of the things that I, that <clears throat> early on I had to work on and make sure that that was not one of the things that I was just saying, you know, like, and, and clients would come in and say, Oh, you, you know, you probably think I'm crazy. And I would always have to correct them and say, I don't think anybody's crazy. You know, I think that that's, that's a word that we use very poorly. Like we don't really know yeah. how to define that word. Um, you know, and then that's, that's usually that, that that's one of the things that I had to change early on. And in terms of like just other stigmas, it, it, I did have, um, you know, like one of the things that I found really interesting was that like I have a lot of family members, primarily on my mother's side, that, that struggle with mental health issues. And before learning what I've learned and experiencing what I experienced, it was very difficult for me to understand. Mm. Like just, you know, depression, for example, or anxiety. It was like, just get over it. Like, right. You know, it's, 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 it's almost like telling somebody who is working on losing weight and who has suffered or struggled with obesity their entire life, like just lose weight. 
it's like, okay, fine. I will like one day to the next, like, it doesn't just happen. Like exactly. that, you know? So whenever I would hear, you know, my mom say, you know, like I'm feeling depressed or I'm sad. And it's just like, well, just be happy, just get over it. Um, and I look back at those moments and with, with like a little bit of disgust in myself mm. for, you know, thinking that way. And it was just really ignorance. You know, once, once, you know, I, I learned a little more, it was, it was a lot easier for me to kind of just understand where my mother, where, you know, my other family members are coming from and, you know, made it easier to deal with those things. Does that apply to everybody else? Not everybody has the same understanding. You know? mm-hmm. Some people yeah. still feel the way they feel regardless. And they'll still tell you, Hey, just get over it. Like, okay, cool. Right. <laughs> Did you have any issues like addressing your own mental um, issues that you had? Yeah. Yeah. Um, So I was never the type of person that would want to seek out help um, for how I was feeling, Mm -hmm. you know, and I was more of a, a denier recognizing that it's like, like I may tell other people like, Hey, you should see a therapist. Like whenever somebody would recommend me seeing a therapist, I'm like, well, right. why? I'm fine. Like, <laughs> I'm good. I don't you have know. problems. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm good. I, I just cry. I just cry every night. It's cool. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like the fire burning in the prison. Like, it's fine. <laughs> We're fine. Right. We're right. Um, <laughs> you know, and, and, you know, I, I had, I have moments where, you know, I may, portray like things are fine and I am mm-hmm. you know you, you know me well enough to know that like I'm always joking around I always have a smile on my face but a lot of times I may be going through some internal battle yeah. and I don't I don't want to express it because you know in, in Latin culture that's a sign of weakness you know you know it is a sign of weakness for Caribbean people you know if you are telling people that you're sad or you're depressed you know you're less of a man you're less you know, you're less than if you feel that way, if you have any kind of emotions, you know? Um, so it was tough. And I mean, even seeing my therapist the first time, and I've gone to therapy a few different times in life and, you know, for, for different reasons, uh, the first time was, was a bit of a, it was a bit of a challenge. And I feel mm-hmm. like I just experienced, I just got to a point where I burned out altogether, yeah. you know, between work, going to school, my personal life and just things that, that I was doing on a day to day, I I literally just burned out and I didn't know who to go to, you know, and it was like, I had things going on, you know, in church and things going on at home, things going on in school, at work. And it just all kind of came to a head. And, and I'm not the type of person that, you know, will react immediately. I'm more, again, like the type of person that's just kind of, kind of sit there and sometimes just freeze. Um, whenever I feel like things are just kind of piling on me. Um, and it took, it took some people, you know, just talking me out of it, out of that. My wife was, was a huge help in that and just kind of gave me that, that support that I needed to just kind of recognize like, you know what, you do need help and you need Mm -hmm. somebody to talk to. Um, and you know, she was one of the people that was instrumental in helping me develop boundaries. Um, Yeah. You know, I was burning myself out, volunteering at church daily, you know, whatever needed to be done, I was there and it felt less like volunteer work and more like my obligation Mm -hmm. while also having a full-time job, you know, internships and work, I mean, and and school 
and all those things just kind of piling up on you. And, and, you know, she would tell me, she's like, you're, you're burning the candle on both ends and you're running yourself in. Like you need to, you need to do something different, you know, you need Mm -hmm. to change, you know, and that was a big part of how I even, you know, got my master's. I, I decided, you know what, I'm just going to quit work, you know, and I'm going to focus on school. And, you know, it was one of the hardest decisions that I had to make primarily because again, it's very difficult for Caribbean people to hear you're not going to work and your wife is going to maintain you for mm. X amount of time. Right. And that was, oh man, that was, that was a battle in itself. You know, that was a really difficult, you know, time. And, you know, she, she would stand up and she would defend me. And part of me was kind of like, Hey, don't defend me too hard because people need to see that I can defend myself. Mm. But, you know, at the time, and now looking back and I'm like, you know what, I'm glad that she was there and she was saying these things and she was helping me kind of develop those boundaries because without that, I would not be able to, you know, be the person who I am today and be able to kind of just say, you know what? No, that was, that's the most difficult thing to say sometimes. No. Yeah. Facts. Yeah. And pe- people get offended. People get like hurt when you tell them no, like, no, I'm mm-hmm. not going to do it. It's like, just accept it. Like, exactly. It's what it, it is, like, people. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, you know, you mentioned being Caribbean. You're from the Dominican Republic, right? right. And, and also you're a black man. So like, how do you even deal and overcome those kind of like, I would say stigmas that you're kind of fighting on a daily because it's just, it just is like, how do you overcome that? Oof, that, that that's tough, um, you know, because in most places, most, most places people will see me, see my hair and they'll say, you are not a white guy. Mm-hmm. My skin color is, looks more like, I'm white, but yeah, I, you know, background, I know I'm not, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, the way that I grew up also, you know, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not a white guy, right. I'm not, I, I, I don't pass. I'm not, I'm not white passing mm-hmm. you know, or I'm less white passing than I expect to be. Yeah. Um, so it, it, it is pretty, it is pretty difficult, you know, because it's almost like I fall into this, you know, category where it's like, I'm not white. Mm-hmm. I may not be considered black, you know, and, you know, for, for Latin people, we come in all shades, colors, right. we look like it's just about everything, you know, and sometimes even there, I don't necessarily fit. And it was very interesting, like, you know, growing up middle school and elementary school, I was, I, I couldn't fit into any category. Mm-hmm. So just kind of identifying with anybody was really challenging. At first. Yeah. Um, and people, you know, one thing that I'm grateful for, you know, where I, where I currently work is that people don't look at me for any of those characteristics and it doesn't stand out. And, and by that, I mean, like the, you know, my coworkers, my boss, like these, like they don't, and maybe mm-hmm. I have my own, you know, my own prejudices yeah. from what I feel like they're thinking, you know, mm. or, you know, and, and it was just so interesting because I, you know, this whole year that I've been growing my hair, I was just like, I don't know what to do with it. I want to look professional, you know, mm-hmm. while in the workplace, 
you know, I'm working with a lot of white people and a lot of yeah. people who have money and this is a private school and I want to make sure that I look professional. And I told myself that like the first day and I was just like, wait a minute, like, what am I saying? Like, you know, and I, and I spoke to a friend of mine, you know, one of my college friends and he was just like, something that his dad told him was like, the hair doesn't make you the professional that you are. Your acts, the way that you work the job and the things that you do are going to determine whether people consider you professional. Mm -hmm. And I just remember, you know, like I still had that, you know, that thought in my head, like they're going to think something of me, you know, I'm going to need to like groom myself or make myself different, you know, to kind of match their energy. Mm -hmm. And my boss, you know, I made a comment to that, uh, like that's towards my, to my boss. And she was just like, your hair's great. Like what's, you know, what's wrong, what's wrong with you? Like, why are you thinking that? And immediately it clicked. I'm like, I'm the one that's putting this pressure on myself, you know, about how I look, Mm. you know, do the comments come every once in a while, maybe from the kids because they're middle Mm -hmm. schoolers that aren't, you know, that, that really just don't know any better. Mm -hmm. But I know that from a professional standpoint, I don't get that. Yeah. You know what? I mean, I feel it's crazy because you said like sometimes you feel like it's your own prejudice that you're placing onto, you know, the people that you're around. And honestly, I wonder about that because obviously we know racism is a thing that exists and we know that being, we know the standard for professionalism is Mm -hmm. just a white person. That's just the standard. But at the same time, I feel like us as black people, we perpetuate the standard because we're like, no, we have to have our hair like this. I mentioned this in the episode before about I was in college and my teacher said, you cannot wear twists to an interview because that's unprofessional. You need to wear your hair in a slick back ponytail or it needs to be straight. Like that was literally what my black teacher, because I went to an HBCU, that's what she told me, you know, and I carried that with me because when I went for interviews, hair was slicked back, hair was always in a ponytail. And I would always say, I'll get the job first, then I can be my true self after that, you know, Mm. get the job and then the, the big curly hair will come out. And that mindset right there is, is kind of problematic. And even now, you know, my hair was pink, then my hair was green and then it was pink. And then I started applying for jobs. I'm like, well, I got to tame it down. And now that's the reason why I went blonde. Cause I'm like, I got to be perfect. I got to be professional, you know? And it's like, who said our hair is unprofessional? Like who said, who determined this hairstyle is not professional and this one is, and it's just, I'm glad that you're getting out of that. I'm glad that your coworkers and everybody were able to like, you know, let you know, like, this is not a thing. And like, no one cares. Yeah. And then the bottom yeah. line is no one cares. Like my therapist really her hair is pink and it's great. <laughs> Do I think she's any less of a professional because her hair is pink? No. Right. It's dumb. Yeah. I, I saw an ad yesterday. I was watching, I was watching TV and I saw an ad. It was the most random ad ever. And it was literally the saying the color of my hair doesn't determine how professional I I've am. seen that commercial. Was yeah, a hair color it? commercial? Yes, yes. Wearing color or like my colored hair is not unprofessional. Right, right. I, yes. I, I thought it was hilarious, but I was also kind of like, yeah, that's true. Like it yeah. really doesn't matter. Like what color I've your hair is. I've never looked at style. anyone with hair color and been like, no, don't trust you. Like, <laughs> what? It's right. just so stupid. Yeah. I, 
I mean, but I mean, let, let's we're not going to be naive and say that doesn't exist because that is a real thing, you know, yeah. especially in I think like more corporate jobs. But in our field, we're super relaxed. So. I mean, even even in sports, like recently, there was a, a story that ran about about a pitcher um, who was wearing a do rag. Uh, wow. He was wearing a do rag under his hat, and the commentator said something about it made a comment about it and it was just kind of like you know immediately people called it out and he had to like go and apologize and you know i haven't followed up on the story since but it was Mm -hmm. just like oh yeah no it's interesting like people have like a standard of what they think yeah fits into a certain box or how think how people should be and then you know like somebody is a little bit off or maybe does something a little bit differently. I think recently like Twitter was going off on, on women wearing bonnets outside. And it's just like, what do you care? Yep. Like, <laughs> why does anyone really care? Like, Literally. Did you see even the other day how this guy was talking about dark skinned girls and like bright colored hair? And yes. Like, can we live? Like, I mean, who cares? Who cares? For real. Like it's it's crazy. It's crazy. And we as black crazy. people, we need to stop perpetuating these problematic things, honestly, because yeah. it just it just keeps us, I think, struggling more with that like self-love, you know, and acceptance. Yeah. Anyways, that's a whole next topic. We're not gonna get into that. That is that is yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Coming back to this. So what what would you say is the biggest obstacle you've had to face as a male in our field in a female dominated field what do you think um i think that the the most challenging thing and like the biggest obstacle would be i I, you know i i feel like people tend to gravitate more towards females because of this um because it you know you're a therapist but you're a male it's kind of odd because we haven't seen it before Mm -hmm. so a lot of i I would get a lot of clients that would prefer to work with a female you know and you know just statistically women are more likely to seek therapy than men are Mm -hmm. so i would get more female clients who would feel more comfortable with a female therapist uh so just kind of like removing that idea and that stigma from, you know, the, the, the fact yeah. that just because I'm a male or a female, or, you know, I'm a male or she's a female, it's not going to change, you know, the level of care that you're going to get, you know, it's, it's all about, you know, the skill that I have, that's going to determine how well the care goes, mm-hmm. you know, did it work out? Yeah. You know, and I think, it, and the other thing is that it's sometimes just the opposite of that, which was, you know, just feeling flooded with, the number of clients because you are a male and you know yeah. you're very sought after and it was just like okay I, I also am human I need to breathe like I can't have 200 people on my caseload you know just because you know everybody wants a male a male's not available you know and that's unfortunate you know convincing other males and other you know people that are going to college to become a social worker is not easy um, yep. because they they don't feel like it's a profession for men um, mm-hmm. but you know, I've, I've been around plenty of male therapists, male social workers that, you know, are awesome at what they do. And they, you know, like really just embody, you know, the core beliefs of a social worker, which is pretty cool. Yeah. I love that. How, 
you know, you talk about your, your own mental health and like how you were able to to recognize that you need help. And that came from your family, from your friends, mainly from your wife. So now that you're at a place where you're pretty comfortable with deal, dealing with mental health and your own mental health, what is something that you would say to encourage other men other males to prioritize their mental health needs. I think, I think men just need to recognize that it's, it's normal to have feelings and it's normal to feel whatever you you are feeling. And, you know, it doesn't make you less of a man to need help from somebody else or to have to talk it out or, you know, to have to deal with some of the problems that you're, you're experiencing. You know, we, we, we live with this, you know, just this mentality of machismo where it's like, I need to be more of a man than the next person. And I can't be too in touch with my feelings because that brings, you know, like, it's just this toxic masculinity mm-hmm. that, that we have. Um, and that's, that's one of the things that, you know, I feel like it doesn't make, you know, I recognize that it doesn't make me any less of a man to get help. Um, and I think that more men need to actually like, seek out therapy and, you know, really just talk it out. And, you know, they'll find that they're going to be able to deal with those problems, you know, a lot better than they, than they expected. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. I mean, and that's that, that machismo thing, like, where does that even come from? Like who determined it's not manly or it's not, yeah, it's not manly to be okay with your feelings. Like, Sometimes I really just sit and wonder where did these kind of concepts come from? Because all they do is just keep us down, you know, they keep right. us from being our best selves. Yeah. I mean, I, I wish I could tell you, I wish, you know, I, I know where it came from in my family, you know, in terms of, you know, where I got that from, um, you know, where, what I saw growing up and, you know, like I still see to this day where it doesn't affect me nearly as bad as it used to, you know, where, before I was just like, okay, well, no, I, no, I have to be, mm-hmm. I have to do this because, you know, I don't want to look, be looked at as, as a punk and, you know, or, you know, as less of a man or anything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but now it's just kind of like, I don't care what you think, you know, like you can feel how you feel and say what you want to say. I know who I am. I know, you know, where I'm at, you know, and, and that's, yeah. that's all that matters to me. And that's really the bottom line. Like so many times I feel like we're concerned about what people think of us. And the reality is everybody's concerned about what people think of them. And no one's actually thinking about what other people's like thinking about you. Like no exactly. one is thinking about you because they're thinking about their own selves. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> like who yeah. cares? Yeah. Nobody, nobody cares. Nobody cares except you. Cares. I, but maybe, I don't know if you feel this way. Like this, this used to happen to me a lot in high school and, you know, even some through college. Like I always felt like everybody was looking at me. Yes, me too. <laughs> you're walking in the hallway, you're walking in the cafeteria and you feel like all eyes are on you and literally yeah. all eyes are not on you. Like I all eyes are on themselves trying to figure out if they got tissue on the back of their shoe or something. Exactly. I would look at people and say, what does that person think of me? And and sometimes that would determine how the rest of my day went. And it was yeah. just like, what the heck? Like, why do I care who, whatever this person thinks about me and I don't even know them like (laughs) okay can we start caring about like caring about what the people who actually know us and care about us think you know instead of like strangers because it doesn't matter yeah 
I mean, easier said than done, I know, but like, right, right, come right. on, guys. <laughs> I'm definitely at a place now in my life where I'm like, listen, we live in my life for ourselves. I don't care about nobody. <laughs> That's all I, I care about all the people, but <laughs> I'm really but I'm not trying. expressing that. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm going to live for me and that's it. Okay. That's it. <laughs> oh my gosh. Anthony, this was awesome. Thank you so much for joining me. Before we end, you know, we always end with what God has taught me. So do you try go first or what do you, sure, you go first? You go okay. First. So uh, I mentioned to you before the podcast, but everybody knows who's been listening. I'm now in the job hunt. I'm in the job searching world. And, you know, it's been really interesting because I'm in a place right now where I'm like, I get to make decisions for me without considering any, anyone else. Cause now it's just me. So but that comes a, little, a bit with a little bit of pressure because I'm like, okay, so that means I have to make like the right decision. I have to make sure that I get right. the right job and I do the right thing. And literally this week I was talking to my therapist about that and she said, what is the right thing? Like, how will you know when you get the mm. right job? And I'm like, I mean, I won't really know until I get it and I do it and then I see. So then you can't really know what's going to be the right decision <laughs> or not right. ahead of time. And she was like, basically you you're trying to control things that you can't control mm. she kind of reframed it to me and she was like you are able to make decisions for yourself now and that's freeing because that's not something you could have done before and the possibilities are endless so that i don't think that's something that needs to be like i i don't have to add extra pressure on myself because of that and so it's been a thing where i'm like i freak out and then I apply for jobs that I don't even want to do. I look at my bank account. And I'm just like, oh, child, let me apply for just this job because I just need a job. I just right. need any job. Then I apply for the job and I immediately regret it. And I'm just like, no. And then the people called me and they're like, hey. And I'm like, oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, Anthony, that has happened to me like twice. Where In, in the span I, of five minutes. Within the span of five minutes. I applied for two jobs specifically that I did not want to do. And I did it only because I was just so desperate. And and in the end, I was like, no, what are you doing? Like, you can now make decisions for yourself. That means you can do what you want. You don't have to just like settle in whatever. And I think what's been happening lately is that I have found jobs that I do want. And I've been getting interviews and like they're happening like back to back. Like I will apply for a job today and tomorrow I have an interview. And like next week, like literally every week there's been a new development in terms of the job hunt and God is just showing me, listen, I got you. I'm going to take care of you. Don't worry. Like my problem is I'll be like, yeah, I got to trust you. Then I look at the bank account and I'm like, God, um, <laughs> so about that job, like, can we get it like today? Like right now? It's hard to trust and God when you ain't got no money. Okay. And God's <laughs> like, girl, you need to wait a little bit. He's telling me, I got you before. I'm I'm gonna take care of you. And I think the remind just like being having the interviews come so quickly. It also is kind of like boosting my confidence because I've been out of the work, out of the field for a couple months. And I'm like, do I even still got it? Like, I don't know. And just the fact that I'm getting people calling me back is like, okay, I guess I do still got it. Right, right, right. So I'm learning. I mean, this whole last couple months has just been a 
learning about myself and all these things, but it, I'm learning more and more to really place my trust in God because anytime I try to do my myself, I get into things and I'm like, I don't want this. So I'm at a place now where I'm like, I'm going to trust you, Lord, and I'm not going to take matters into my own hands anymore because it didn't work out for me before. And that's it. So that is what God has taught me. What about you? So I think God has taught me that things happen for a reason. And, you know, just in the last year, it's it's been more evident than ever. Um, you know, so we used to live in Tampa and I did not want to leave. It was, you know, we had our home there. Yeah. Everything was great, you know everything was great up there. And it was just like to have to restart, it was just not going to be fun. But I was only looking at my thoughts and my feelings in that moment. And I wasn't considering just the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. You know, I was, you know, I was working at a place that I felt burnt out at that there wasn't a lot of room for growth or any growth mm -hmm. that I wanted or, you know, was expecting the job market wasn't great up there. My wife was miserable up there, you know, being away from family and friends, and then also working a job that was burning her out. Um, the only thing holding us there was, was our home, you know, like the house that we bought up there, you know, and it was just, it was just rough, you know, so moving down, it was another leap of faith and one that I took almost begrudgingly mm -hmm. um, just because it was like, I don't want to come back down and have to restart. And again, yeah. thinking, you know, what are people thinking about me moving up and then coming right back down? Those people that said that I, I'd be back, they were right. Mm -hmm. um, and, it, and it was tough to accept. But, you know, in the time that I've been back, I found a job that I'm happy in. You know, I've, I've been able to reconnect with my family. Uh, I've, you know, been able to like really decompress and, you know, have more time for mental health and just have more time for self-care for doing those things that I wanted to do. You know, the money may not be significantly better, but it goes, it goes much further than it used to, you know, mm -hmm. and, you know, like, I understand that things are happening the way they are for a reason. You know, we were trying to have a baby while we were up there and it wasn't happening. We come down here and boom, my wife's pregnant and we're yeah. expecting a baby in October. And <laughs> it's just so amazing. Like, you know, you think you got it all planned out. Things are going to be great. This is where you're going to be. And God tells you like, no, I have other plans for you. And, you know, it's going to happen for a reason. You know, and I love that, Anthony. And, you know, I relate to that too. Like you already know everything that's going on. I love it. And it's true. Like you really be having your plans and God's like, nope, <laughs> this is real, the real plan. Like he just and laughs at, first, at you. Like, yeah. <laughs> And at first you're like mad. I remember you were not here for it. But then you're like, no, this is exactly what I actually needed. Yeah. And I'm just, I'm so happy for you and your growing family and just everything that's going on that you're so happy at your job. Because I remember before you left, we were all obviously so sad <laughs> that you were going to leave. But I remember you lost, you lost some of your light. You were not happy. <laughs> Yeah, I, I I mean it was it was rough. Like I just felt like oh man, to have to start over and like this is gonna mm -hmm. be like financially this is gonna suck and you know like you know and it doesn't help that the first month or two I was living with my parents again and it was like 
I don't want to do this again. Like this. Yeah. This is not yeah. fun. <laughs> you know? I know what that's like. I, mean, very, <laughs> I love them. They're the best. But just the idea of coming back, you feel like you're regressing in life or something. Yeah. You know, you feel yeah, like, yeah. what is this? I'm old. I'm too old for this. <laughs> yeah. You know, and, and I just feel like, you know, over time, I'm noticing that life it's setting is setting itself up for just just to be wonderful and to be great. Like there's a lot of things that are happening that it's just like in the moment I think, well, this sucks, you know, like this is not great and I don't want this to happen, but, you know, long-term, you know, when I really, you know, just take a step back and look at the big picture, it's like, you know what, this is gonna be okay. This is honestly either gonna be a small stumbling block or something that's gonna set me up for a better, you know, future. So. Yes, I love that. Well, Anthony, this is the end. We're so sad. <laughs> but listen, you're coming back. Like, we have Absolutely. to have you back. Maybe Absolutely. we'll talk about something a little lighter the next time. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. Let's do that. I'm looking forward to it. Thank, thank you for you. having me. Yes, thank you so much for coming. And guys, we will see you next week. Until then, bye. Bye. <laughs>